Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts Hattie Butterworth and me Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of the musicians is lost and restricted. Having both dealt in silence with mental, physical and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. The personal issues we may face with our mental health, performance injury, work pressure and finances can be overlooked as the airbrush persona of musicians is sadly maintained. So join me, Hattie and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. So welcome everyone. Today we are at the Help Musicians headquarters in King's Cross in London with the wonderful Gosha Gastka. Welcome. Hi, hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's a nice day today. It is a beautiful day. It's a very nice day. Always a pleasure to come here, I have to say. Especially in an Uber. Oh yeah, you came in your Uber. I felt like such a queen. (laughs) So we'd love to start off maybe with you telling us a bit about what you do at the moment. Um, I actually remember I first saw you in my first year of college. You Mm. came to play at the Royal College. In anything other than the music world, that'd be a really creepy thing to say to someone. Like, Why? I, I saw you I saw five you. years ago. <laughs> no, Sorry. Probably more than that. Oh, yeah, like five years ago. But yeah, I feel like you've played for like a lot of my friends in exams and masterclasses and stuff at the academy. Yeah. So, you know, people that don't know, which I think a lot of string players might have seen you or know you from working with you at the academy. Can you let us know the musical work that you do? Yeah, so, I, so I'm, a, I'm a classical pianist. I specialize in uh, chamber music. So I, I studied, I did my master's degree at the academy in piano solo, and then I, I, I have always been really active in chamber music, so I was playing a lot as a student, and then I got a, the fellowship working with the strings department, helping the strings department, you know, with the accompaniment provision. So now I, this is what I do, this became my, my position, and I work with the, yeah, with the wonderful strings department, and... Uh, and do yeah. Sometimes I do projects outside, uh, like summer course in Spain, mm. competition somewhere. But mainly my work is based here. I also teach piano privately quite a lot. Um, yeah, so that's my. Mm. That's and in terms of like your upbringing in that, how long have you been in the UK? So I came here eight and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. So I did my bachelor's degree in Poland, uh, and then I moved here to study at the academy. Amazing. Yeah. I think you got in touch with us because you wanted to chat a little bit about your work in mental health. And we were just like so thrilled to have someone um, get in touch about a topic that is so important and so rarely talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so would you be able to talk to us a little bit about your work uh, at The Listening Place? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started uh, volunteering, volunteering there like two years ago, I think. It was, it was just, uh, it was one of the lockdowns winter lockdowns when you know as you know we are our identity as a musician was completely crushed you know so so like uh, I was looking for something uh what I could do I was looking for some volunteering maybe you know and as uh I I found the listening place um and it's uh it's a charity set by uh, founded by by the wonderful Sarah Anderson, who it was she founded it six years ago. She's um, an experienced Samaritan, so she she did that for like 
couple of decades and and then she founded this and there are like there is a big b- bunch of people from the Samaritans uh, that came with her and it's uh, yeah the charity provides uh, ongoing face-to-face support for people who are suicidal uh, so it's if you yeah if, if you come you get uh, if you are referred to, to the charity you, you get six appointments every two weeks with the same volunteer and then after three months there is a review and there is a possibility to possibly get more, more sessions but basically you know it's, it's a short term uh, support but it's there is no waiting list so so that's you know this is like a I think yeah the, the charity was was set to fill the gap between the, the, in in the mental health um, care yeah when you when you want to see a psychiatrist psychotherapist or get any help there is a, like a long waiting list so here you know when you're suicidal there shouldn't be any waiting list mm-hmm. so all referrals are being dealt with within uh, yeah within twenty four hours you get an appointment within a week. Oh, that's brilliant. That's incredible. Yeah. And is it something that you can self-refer for? Or is it generally something that your GP or crisis service would refer so, you So uh, 72% of the referrals come from the NHS. Okay. Then 22% from charities, social services, police, university counselling departments, and others. So like 6% uh, comes from self-referrals. Okay, yeah. wow. It is amazing because I, I think the waiting lists for uh, counselling and therapy on the NHS usually are like 48 weeks or something like that. Yeah. So it really, I mean, yeah, as you say, if you're feeling suicidal, I'm sorry, but the 48 weeks just is almost going to be no use. Yeah. Because it's such an immediate feeling, isn't it? Like when you're feeling that way, you just need, you feel like you need relief, like in that second. Yes. And to know that it's possible to get it, you know, within a week, like that might even feel like a long time for someone that's suicidal, but it's a lot more reassuring than, you know, the huge long waiting list of the NHS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, it's, it's not, you know, therapy. Yeah, we, we don't, mm. we, 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 I had training. Um, so, of course, you know, this, we are trained, but it's, we're not therapists. So, you know, yeah. we don't give advice. We don't intervene. We just offer warm, welcoming space um, mm. for the people. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. tell us about the, the training and take us back to to that time? You know, you apply. Yeah. And then when you heard that you'd been accepted, you know, what was the next step? How did the training go? And, and was it quite intense or how did you find it? Yeah, I mean, I would love to talk about it because, uh, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful charity. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, uh, I, I would be happy to encourage people to to join because it's, yeah, it's it's really a great community. So there are, I mean, you have to, on the if you go to the website, listeningplace.org.uk, uh, you can fill in an application form and then you go to an information meeting when you find out more about the charity you meet some people you see whether it feels right for you yeah so immediately i felt oh this is this this felt right yeah so then you you can sign up for an interview you have like an hour long interview and if you are accepted then you start the training and there are two roles available uh, so one is the listening volunteer which is what i do so you for that you get you have like around i think 20 hours of training uh, so this is where you see people face to face 50 minutes uh, per session and you see three people uh, during your shift and you, you do it every fortnight um, and then there is a the, the role of helping volunteer so for that you need less training I think it's around five hours so the helping volunteers are the people who uh, help their shift run smoothly yeah so they're the first the helping volunteer is the first person who 
welcomes the the visitor. So that visitors are called the people who come mm-hmm. for support. And they do, yeah, they support the whole shift. They do some other tasks, like admin tasks. So they're really, yeah, really, really important. Do so they well. make cups of tea, then? Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> they're the most important. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it Especially is. in the UK. It is. It is. Yeah, no. Right. So there are these two roles, you know, available um, at the charity. Do you uh, remember the first session that you did as a listener? And yeah, just, how did that feel, like, yeah. to have done the training and then to be in the room with someone? In a vulnerable position. Uh, so one thing about the training, the training was the training is brilliant. So okay. I learned a lot, and you also, you know, you get to know those those people who are just so empathetic, caring. They have, you know, most of them have decades of experience, you know, volunteering for Samaritans. So the training really, you know, really is 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 fantastic. And if you get through the training, you are you. You feel that you know you you've learned so much you you, you can you can do it, mm-hmm. but of course the first sessions you know you can you have to find your feet around you know fit in, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah the this is the kind of the reality of having a real person you know mm-hmm. not not doing the role plays but having the real person who comes to you, um, but yeah I mean of so of course it takes a couple of you know shifts I think to to feel really comfortable to know what you're doing, but o- what's also important is that you on on every shift there is a Something someone called a supervising volunteer, so someone who you know who oversees the whole shift, and you can talk through things with them. There is also support, uh, like any day a week, you can. You, there are a few people who you can you can contact if you have any any concerns concerns any things you know we want to talk about. So there is a, a lot of support within the charity for the volunteers. Yeah, so that makes it all yeah less. Uh, I mean, yeah possible let's say for, for for me so it's not i know it's not just me yeah the, the people who come yes they come to see um me but they come to the charity yeah so they they, they come to it's yeah you feel like you are part of a bigger thing which is yeah. reassuring as well i think that is really reassuring to hear and is often i think the case in volunteering things where you are you know they're really hard conversations to have yeah. and it's so important that you take care of yourself um, and I was wondering what you find to be the hardest thing about being a volunteer there, because it can't all just be. I mean, I, I expect it's incredibly rewarding, but it must be incredibly mm-hmm. difficult too. Yeah, so, so I mean, one thing that you, you definitely have to have some resilience, mm-hmm. yeah, and be just yeah, be able to to yeah to take that in, and and not to be affected too much. But of course, I mean, you know. Um, it's it's not always like that. So I think the hardest thing, it's 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 usually um, when the, I mean I I can't talk about the details, but basically it's it's when the when you see a person and you see that their life situation is just so hopeless, mm. so dreadful, and there is really there really isn't anything that or like you know you, you sometimes you know you, tr- you try to look for something that they they might be good, but sometimes simply there isn't because that's how life you know is Mm. and sometimes you know people who really need you know more help than than just a warm welcoming you know non-judgmental space they want you know they need to see a psychiatrist psychotherapist and they're as you said on the waiting list they have to wait a couple of months and there is you know it's that moment of i guess feeling helpless you know and they're being with them in that in that moment Mm. is all we can give but also, it's it can be very helpful as well just to just to be with that, 
yeah and to kind of accept that that's a reality you know yeah. I feel like we have in our culture especially in the UK there's quite a lot of toxic positivity going on mm. especially with mental health awareness it's very much broken down to you know mindfulness sessions mm. and bubble baths and all of this but you know you're so right that sometimes it is just really horrific and all you can do is hold space for someone and signpost them on to the help them. that they yeah. need but yeah. it's yeah not always just going to be like yeah. oh you're fixed now yeah i'd really like for you to talk a bit about you know suicidality i guess and and what feeling suicidal quite quite what feeling suicidal can mean because i think i remember talking to you in our initial chat about you know there's a difference between someone who's potentially made a plan in the next half an hour and there's someone that's living with it as a more kind of like ideation mm. um how do you kind of support people in different stages of that you know can you talk about like the sort of spectrum of feeling suicidal yes yeah, so there's definitely the um, i mean people visitors are suicidal you know somewhere on the spectrum from mild ideation to 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 recent attempt and active risk so something you know if, if you see someone who has just who attempted suicide a week ago you know you know they're quite you know it's 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 high high risk and they're quite actively uh, you know they've made plans they've they've tried it yeah um however like most people who are suicidal they don't um they they are in a situation that they don't they might not want to die they just want they feel so desperate and hopeless and it's like suicide thing feels like the only solution yeah so um so it's I think I mean there is I think there isn't an, an easy answer to this question yeah. yeah because it's like you know you you might think oh this is not too bad but it's you have no idea what what it feels like for that person yeah yeah and they might have been feeling like that you know they haven't attempted suicide for I don't know a long time and you don't know what might trigger them yeah mm. and one one more thing I think I I also need to say that we are not there to to stop people from killing themselves because no one can do that yeah so it's we are there to 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 just share that space i guess to to be, to be present with them yeah not to give advice not to as you were saying before you know just being positive or giving advice this is probably the, the worst thing one can do and sometimes just yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you might think, you know, you've just spoken to them for like four or ten minutes and you think, oh, you know, I know all the solutions to your problems and they've been living like this, you know, for, for, for years. So it's... Of course they've tried that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or they've thought about it and they've gone, no, I don't like the idea of that. Yeah. So, no. Nothing, yeah. But I think, like, just recognising that there is a difference because when we hear the word suicidal or suicide or anything like that, it's, I think it panics people and it feels like oh, I don't I don't want to touch that I don't want to talk about it because even talking about it increases somebody's risk or so I think first of all recognizing there's a spectrum from actively like active risk to ideation is will be really important for our mm. listeners um but I think one of the um yeah one of the myths to be busted is this idea of talking about mm. suicide increases somebody's likelihood yeah. of going through with it um yeah could you, you yeah could yeah. you talk a little so, bit about that so i think i mean probably that's, that's one of the main reasons why i got in touch with you guys just to you know to to, to yeah to, to share some you know 
awareness of, of, of that because and that's probably the most important thing I have to say today that uh, talking uh, I mean if someone is feeling suicidal talking about it is possibly the best thing that can be done uh, to support someone uh, they are already feeling suicidal yeah so there is nothing you can do to make them feel, feel worse yeah it's it's our own anxiety of of you know oh I'm not going to talk about it it might be anxiety in their society but that's probably for a different di- longer discussion you know why we avoid feelings why why we avoid talking about it what you know we might we are afraid that it might trigger us in some ways you know and we like we think oh if we don't talk about it it, it doesn't exist no it's not like that mm-hmm. so so yeah I'm going to repeat talking about suicide is possibly the best thing that that can be done mm-hmm. And as a volunteer, are you? Do you ask quite blunt questions? Is that something that you're trained to do? You know, yes. will you ask someone if they have a plan? Or yes. It, yes. Okay. You, you. We are trained to ask it uh, in a in every session. Really? So sometimes, okay. um, sometimes people, you know, people are talk a lot, and you can just, you know, be very blunt from the beginning. Sometimes you need also you just need to feel the atmosphere, like feel the room, feel the atmosphere, maybe build it up gradually because you know especially if it's the first meeting they don't know you they you know they you don't know what sort of relationship they have with you know people who have helped them in in the past yeah so so what's you know you don't know what their experience is yeah so so sometimes you need to yeah talk about yeah it's for me personally when i come i just i'm trying to be to respond to what they where they are what they bring yeah and if they if they really don't want to talk about it then i it's, it's still my my job as a volunteer to to ask that question at some point mm, yeah. yeah sorry i was just gonna like as my um to continue on that idea of like talking about it is not going to increase somebody like they or they are already feeling yeah. suicidal and it, you talking about it is not going to make them feel any worse and from my experience on shout it's like if they're not feeling suicidal and you ask them, are you thinking about killing yourself? Either they'll go, no, and it kind of gives them, well, it, it might give them the sense of, oh, like, actually, I'm not in that place, and that's like a lift of like, oh, no, maybe there is more to, I can hang on to. Or, you know, you will have not been the first person that they hear about suicide from, so you're not going to give them this idea if they weren't already feeling suicidal. It, that just doesn't work like that. It's not like you teach them about it for the first time. And often what happens is that, that people that we see, this is like the first time for them that they might be talking about suicide because mm-hmm. no one asks about it. Yeah. yeah. So, so so it's really when you are feeling suicidal, it's it's really you are, you are often desperate to talk about it yeah. but you're also scared you know to talk about it so so you want the language to talk about it as yeah. well you yeah. often don't have the words and if yeah. you have somebody that's trained with these words in this language that's the most empowering thing and i want to make a comment to that uh about our communication uh, yeah you said language uh, and that's that's something i learned during the training which was also like eye-opening so uh i mean some people might might already know it that's when we communicate with people, words and what we say is only 7% of what we communicate. So 55% is our body language, 38% is our tone of voice. So that's, you know, speaks volumes about, you know, just how, how being present with each other 
and just you know the kind of um, emotional exactly communication that happens so it's not really important sometimes you know especially when i started i was feeling feeling you know what, what do i have to ask you know what what to say what yeah but then really just being there with them it's it's so it's so much more important and so better than so much better than uh yeah giving advice or you know being positive whatever trying to cheer them up no it's it's really yeah you you, you can't imagine how how much how so yeah that people might get support just from and you, you're not rejecting them you're not you know you're validating their their feelings you're acknowledging that this is how they feel and you're not trying to fix them mm, yeah that's huge isn't it actually i seem to remember you know often in my darkest times of mental illness or mental health issue um hearing someone in the media talk about suicidal thoughts or a dark time in their life that never made me feel worse. Yeah. That only ever made me feel connected to that person yeah. and that like there was hope, you know. So I, I think again, like what what you've offered us here, we're talking about it is is huge because I think if someone is listening who's been through that recently or is going through that those kind of hor- horrific feelings of, of suicidal thoughts, you know, being able to say we're here and you know we know that one or you're yeah. not alone, like that is. Yeah so powerful like but I, I had a question about you know taking someone through six sessions was that is that the kind of yes, typical yeah. time you'll you'll have with someone yes. I mean obviously I know you can't talk specifics but can you talk about maybe how that process feels for you like looking over those six sessions maybe how you see them improve or not and then how maybe that has impacted your life like to be able to watch that process or go through yeah, that with someone this is a very good Mm. question <laughs> and there is no easy answer to that yeah <laughs> because uh, yeah it does happen that you see people get better and mm. they you know sometimes they have other support and they really you know they're in the moment in their life that uh, that they can they can get that help and you know they can get get better but sometimes or often they they don't either because their their life is so you know it's like it's you know it's it's full of struggle or because it just you know it's a process it or they might not be ready i mean there are you know multiple mm. reasons yeah so so often and this is like we, we also as volunteers we have uh ongoing training so there are some some lectures and and training and supervision with mental health professionals so we can you know as a volunteer there is not only support from the charity but from mental health professionals yeah so so that's also yeah that's 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 what i learned as well that that you know it's it can be that after six sessions you it's it's you know the the issue has been ongoing for years so so yeah. you you don't see any progress let's say but you you never know how much they got out of that you know True. so that's yeah. and that's something you know you just have to accept that's that that that's like the the, the, the thing that i think during the training one you know one night when I learned, like, I fully understood what it means that when I meet the visitors, I'm not there to stop them from killing themselves. I'm not gonna prevent, you know, try them to uh, try to prevent them from from doing anything. No, I'm there to to be there with them, yeah. no matter. And it's it's their choice what you know what they want they want to do after, you know. Yeah. So that's that's tough. I, that was tough tough for me to to fully accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering whether we could talk a little bit about. Um, suicide in uh, music and musicians mm-hmm. and whether you'd seen any kind of 
because um, obviously you work in music and we know that there's a lot of mental health problems in music, unfortunately. Um, have you seen many connections with your work in uh, at The Listening Place and your work as a teacher? Or, um, or yeah. has it changed the way that you interact with students at all? Or? Well, I mean, definitely. It, it's like... Um... Well, I, 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 I was thinking about it. So, so first of all, as, as musicians, we do, we are musicians because we, because we are uh, capable of feeling emotions and, you know, feelings deeply, right? In the, what the composers wanted, you know, to, to convey, yeah? With, otherwise, we wouldn't be musicians. So there is the part of feeling feelings, um, feeling things, sorry, deeply. Um, and then at the same time, there is a, a lot of, uh, stress in this profession. Yes, it is quite a quite a stressful and emotionally charged profession, right? So it's like I was thinking about this this um, that we, we both have to be vulnerable and fully in touch with, the, with our own feelings and you know f- co- communicate that to other people and make people feel what we feel from music, which is beautiful. On the other hand, you know that we always have to perform. You know that's try to be perfect whatever you know which is not possible because we are a fallible creature as human beings so there is there is a lot of pressure you know men, we need to be resilient so it's it's i think i i mean i don't know a lot about you know the connection between creativity and mental health issues but there is definitely you know this element of volatility volatility i think in our profession it's it seems inevitable yeah because because we are we work with emotions we work with feelings so it's understandable that there is, for, I think for me, that, that there is like, yeah, there is, a, there is a connection here. Yeah. Why do you feel like, because that is so clearly the case, and I think you're really right, and I think, you know, both of us have felt very, very deeply at times in our life, you know, whether positively or negatively within the music world. But why then do you think, do we find it so difficult as a collective industry to be honest about things like suicidal thoughts and you know i think it's it's more about not just our community but society in general mm. that's that's again i guess it's the topic for a much bigger you know uh, discussion or even why, a podcast why, <laughs> why you know why we avoid feelings i mean one thing is that we might not be aware of some things that are happening to us and talking to someone might trigger you know we want to avoid feelings for or we avoid feelings for for you know reasons right because it's we don't want to feel bad um but yeah for me i mean that's why uh i mean i've always been interested in in mental health in in i kind of i have always felt that emotions are logical in a, for me it means that there is always a reason yeah there are no i really don't like this this language of of you know positive negative emotions I, emotions are just there they they tell us something very often they are so complex and there is so much you know in the unconscious or you know whatever that that you we just don't understand where they come from what they mean you know things from the past you know all of that but basically this is our you know this is not something that we should avoid and I think because it's so complex, so complicated, so painful, as a society, it's like we, it's it's like a common thing, yeah, to to avoid and to and therefore avoid talking about things like suicide, which feels like it's it's you know it's extremely it's on, on you know it's 
an extreme thing to to feel suicidal. Mm-hmm. While uh, this this is also one of the myths that uh, there is a you know myth that there is a typical person who is suicidal, or we think you know that suicidal people oh this is this group. Yeah. But everyone has the potential to die by suicide, and this is also uh, the charity is very it's it's clear, and I and I like that that it's there is no us and them. Yeah, we. I'm a human being. I meet another human being. We're just in a different point in our lives. But yeah, that's huge. Yeah, because that's kind of the thing. Even us being on a podcast and then having people listen who could be potentially, you know, suicidal or or not, you know, or, or struggling with something in their life. I always worry that there is a kind of us and them in that sense as well. Mm. You know, we, I think it's brilliant that you bring that up actually because it's not something that it's not even always something that's connected to a mental health problem. You know, it can very much be someone in a really horrific situation in their life who are feeling those very deep feelings. I think particularly in, like you said at the beginning, Gosha, that like suicidal ideation is not always actually wanting to die. It's wanting to to kind of take a break or just like leave something. And that consciousness. yeah, Yeah. And, and, um, I think particularly as musicians and, and, and freelancers in general, sometimes when everything is so overwhelming and you do feel so alone as a freelancer occasionally, yeah. well, often, I think actually the feeling of wanting to take a break is very common. And therefore, I think, um, you know, if you already have a tendency to think or have suicidal feelings, then the two can go mm-hmm. hand in hand. Um, I think that burnout and mental health issues in music have a huge, huge connection. Yeah, I don't know how much you feel you want to give advice or whatever, but I think it's an important discussion. And I've had people ask me as well, what do you say if either you suspect someone might be suicidal or you know one of your friends or family are feeling that way you know how should you respond in that situation do you feel so yeah giving advice is is definitely something i i wouldn't yeah do um but in the moment if you suspect that they're feeling that way be curious be present be uh pay attention to people i think we often you know we just meet meet each other but we we are not fully present we you know we we deal with our own stuff and the kind of being and that that's what the training and, and volunteering has taught me to be fully present to fully focus on the other person to listen on a much deeper level than than we normally do mm. uh just ask them how how they are you know uh, be, be curious about about that person i think that's whether it's a family member friend or even someone that you see you know just meets you don't know them yeah you know, simple questions like what's, you know, what's been going on with you? You know, how are you feeling? Just just being there for them. It, it's, really, it's really far less important to ask the right questions than, than just be them, be mm. with them. And not sort of being, giving an air of being like scared or yeah. or di- not disgusted or, or like fearful of what they might say, what their emotions might be. I think we have a fear of, of other people's emotions sometimes. Yeah, it can be really hard in that moment if somebody does say something and your like automatic reaction is a sense of panic. Yeah, panic and clenching and and I think 
yeah, again, just raising awareness. And the more you you know about it, the more that if you do get into a situation where you're having a conversation with somebody and they bring it up or, or you bring it up, I think you're just more likely to be able to relax into that. Well, maybe not relax, but unclench into that situation, yeah. that conversation. And, and even if that happens, you know, acknowledge that. Yeah. Either just within yourself that it's happened, it's and it's 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 normal. It's okay to have this reaction, or even you you might, if you feel like it's the right place, you can even talk to them. You know, that that you really want to be with them, but you you know you might be. It depends, I guess, if you know if you are in a relationship with them or not. Uh, but but yeah, just. You are also. I mean, we are all human beings. Yeah. So it's 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 you know feelings, emotions come up. Um, yeah. I think also not taking it personally. I think that um, some people can feel that if somebody's feeling suicidal and you can't help them, then it's either a failing of you or that you're not enough for them to like stick around or something like that. And it's. It's yeah, more than more than not more than not just not about yeah. anybody else. Yeah. And this is what that's I this is like again like one of the things that happened to us, but this is the way you talked about it, then you think about yourself. Yeah. yeah. You're you're not really focusing on them. So kind of trying to get this focus from yourself mm. to another person yeah. yeah and then it then it's i mean it's like i i, I don't remember what one well but recently i i heard someone say about the the light yeah like you are all the things you know the, the anxiety all of that in us it's like the spotlight being on us and then if you switch it if you turn it to another person yeah. then you know the yeah, questions that yeah. yeah i mean there is it's, it's really not about you and then you you somehow you you know you you don't you stop thinking about oh am i asking the right thing am i doing the, you know it's, it's really you focus on them and that's that's you know the the most important thing and the most possibly helpful thing you can you can do in that moment can you tell us about doing how this volunteering has then led now for you wanting to take this counselling course that you're about to enrol on. Can you talk about how maybe you feel music and mental health awareness or mental health work yep. wants to kind of combine themselves in your life? Yes, so for me, it's, I mean, I think I, I've always been equally interested in music and in, in other people. So I've always been curious of also of, of, my, of, of myself and other people. And... Um, the volunteering, um, I think it's 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 just it was like one of the things that the, the interests or passions that started to grow since I, since I volunteered. Be- before I joined, you know, the listening place, I didn't even think that I might, you know, consider applying for a counseling course at all. Yeah, it was. But then, you know, we see uh, when I do my own work on on my own psyche. When I you know when I see how it all. In, affects my relationships you know how i function in in the world it's just you know it's it's challenging but it's also fascinating so so that sort of yeah at some point a couple of months ago i thought you know maybe at some point i might consider applying for a course and then it just happened that you know i spoke to a few people and i felt i want to try it so you know it's um, i'm starting in a week and it's yeah we'll see i i don't because i have this you know career in, in music and i'm 
you know, quite rather settled. I don't feel like, oh, I want to become a therapist to make a living. No, it's like for me, this is the, I don't even know if I'm going to do the core training yet. Yeah, perhaps yes, perhaps not, because this is like the the first step uh, doing the foundation course. I'm just curious and interested and um, yeah. That's that. That's why. But definitely, you know, before I joined uh, the listening place, I didn't even I didn't think about it. So this is is I think speaks volumes about yeah. the the charity and the people you meet. Uh, because also, you know, it's like you meet. We kind of you know musicians. We we tend to be in our own like bubble of musicians <laughs> often, yeah. <laughs> and at the charity, you know, we meet. I'm you know I'm one of the few musicians that are there. Yeah, people are very different. You know, different ages, different backgrounds, different cultures, and it's. It's it's wonderful that you know that when there are when you meet them that you just you connect immediately because of of what you do and there is no you know there is no judgment yeah I think that that's like you know non judgment providing non judgmental space it means that we to each other volunteers are like that yes. it's just it's yeah. just wonderful I think as musicians when we think about volunteering we always jump to thinking okay well maybe I could like play some music in a care home or a hospital but actually using our listening skills and our other musical or like creative and um, communicative skills through something like the listening place is an amazing way to use those skills that we spent so long honing yeah and it's like for me it's 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 simply evolving as a as a human being which then, as a result, affects my, you know, my work as a music, as a pianist, as a, you know, working with the students at the academy or teaching my own private students. It's all, you know, or even like playing concerts. The way concerts, the way I, you know, I'm if, the more I'm in touch with my own feelings, the more I can communicate. You know, it's it's all super connected. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so looking towards wrapping up. So we're gonna do a quick fact or fiction round. <laughs> So, I'm going to start with um, fact or fiction. Mm-hmm. Suicide occurs without warning. Um, although some suicides are impulsive reactions to a loss or a life event, warning signs and prior problems uh, do occur and they are often visible uh, mm. to other people. But there are no cre- clear rules about that. So it's, Yeah. yeah. But you hear both, don't you? You kind of hear like yes. it was a shock or even some people say someone got a lot more involved or cheerful right before the yeah. event because they had a plan or whatever. So that there are warning signs that yeah. you can pay attention to. Factual fiction. People who attempt suicide are merely looking for attention. Um, often... Often people who uh, attempt suicide do not want to die. And, and and also what's wrong with seeking attention if you really need it? If you're, you know, yeah. if people are not, if, if, yeah, it's, it's, you might, you just, everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants connection. Uh, so when a person decides to make an attempt on their life, it's often because all other options, including the means to communicate with other people, uh, are just they feel it they're gone so they don't have the, any other options so they they narrow down their options to suicide fact or fiction all suicidal people are mentally ill so yeah although the suicidal person might be unhappy anxious or upset not all people who take their lives could be diagnosed as mentally ill so this is again this kind of um stereotype that you know it's us and them yes. yeah 
or that mentally ill people are by default suicidal. Hey, yes. You know? Definitely. Like, oh, you self-harm? Does that mean you're going to off yourself at any moment? It's like... That be- also brings me to, to the question of, like, what's, what do we consider, you know, being mentally ill? Like, where is the fine line? I mean, you, you ask these questions, so then I'm thinking, you know, where is, where is that line? What do your, we... Yeah, I remember us having yeah. this chat before, didn't we? And it really made me think, actually, like, am I dividing myself off? as someone who's mentally ill, am I defining that? Like, why Why am I putting that on? And why am I calling someone who's having a depressive episode, why am I saying that they're mentally ill? You know, they're having an issue with their mental health, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are yes. yeah. ill. And, like, they might and, not want to define themselves. And things like, for example, I don't know, the, the first thing that comes to my mind when we think about when we might be scared of, I don't know, mental illness, that we don't know what, what to do with that. For example, it's like psychosis that, mm-hmm. you know, people, oh, you know. But but then it's also, um, that that's one thing that, that I learned during one of the, the training, uh, like the, on, on, after I, I became volunteer, that psychosis is, is uh, the, the best brain, the, 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 sorry, the best thing that our brain is trying to do for us to um protect us from something so i mean you know i i don't know much about i'm not a man that has special specialist so i i i'm not in a, any position to say more about it but it's you know yes. that's a, another thing that bring like creates barriers yeah mental mm. illness you know this and it's it's just much much more complex i think yeah you're very right about psychosis i recently oh i literally just finished a book called oh what is it called it's got an, it's got like an annoying name like what you should know about mental health. Everything you should know. Everything you need to know about mental health. Oh, so you know everything now, do you? I know absolutely everything, yes. But they were making a big point in that book about psychosis and how the label of schizophrenia is actually really not accurate because Mm -hmm. it's so nuanced in someone's brain, the way that they experience psychosis and for how long. And, you know, even the term antipsychotic, it's like... We're not giving them something to stop their psychosis. We're giving them a drug, like a brain-enhancing drug. So actually, yes. a lot of the psychiatry and literature and diagnosis techniques are, are really quite, um, what's the word, unevolved and And I think I have, I have one more thing to say that mm. I just remembered about from my training, that uh, when we talked about, you know, mental health um illness diagnosis you know when we have a when you see a visitor who has a diagnosis or who's just received a diagnosis um we shouldn't make any assumptions we can ask them what it feels like for them because for some people it might be they might feel relieved that you know they, they oh they've been diagnosed this is you know that's why they've been feeling this way for some people they might feel that they've been put in a box you know, there, there's been there's a label put on them, and now you know they, you don't see them as a person. You see them, oh, this is that. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, that's I think that the discussion about you know the um, labeling people and diagnosing. It's mm. it's I don't have clear answers, but it's it's mm. it's I think it's it's a point for for discussion. I'm very glad that you brought that up actually, because yeah, ever since we talked first, like I've been thinking about that so much. So you got my brain working. Good. But, <laughs> are we moving towards the end? I was going to say last fact or fiction. Okay. Um, when depression lifts, the suicide crisis is over. 
Yeah, that's a very important question because the greatest danger of suicide uh, is in the first three months following a deep depression. So the happiness and peace of mind uh, exhibited by some people as they come out of the depression actually might result uh, from the fact that they have finally resolved the crisis uh, by uh, deciding to take their lives. Mm, Or they might genuinely feel better so they they start they have energy yeah. to think about suicide yeah yeah so it's it, this is a dangerous uh, thing and to assume that people oh people are better fine that's it and um, yeah I think also there's another angle of that where when people are seeing improvement in you in some way you feel more lonely because then you're like oh I sh- I should be better now people think yeah. I'm better now and actually I still feel. Yeah, I'm not Very, self-sufficient in yeah. like, the way they think I am. I remember having that quite severely. It's like I was starting on medication, I came out of something, but actually still I was like, oh, but in that place I had all this support and now I feel like I have to fend for myself. Mm-hmm. And that is quite a dangerous place actually sometimes. Okay. Okay. So. I've slipped further and further. Yeah, you have to slap. I'm just so comfortable with the conversations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to end our episodes, we usually do a little win of the week. Uh, so something small just to celebrate that you've done either this week or literally any week. It doesn't. We don't hold people to this week. I was about to say it's Monday, but it's literally Friday. Wonderful. Thank God. Thank God. Uh, do you have a win of the week, Hattie? I always ask you first. And I always throw it right back to you because I can never think of one. Um, what's happened this week? Oh, yeah. So I feel like I have felt more secure in my boundaries Ooh. than ever before. I think quite often I let myself get like swept up in either work relationships or like personal relationships and always put myself kind of like behind. I, I often like put people in god position if they're my boss or if they're like someone i really like or really value i'll often put them like as my god in my in my brain but actually i've noticed recently that yeah i i'm in control and i can have boundaries and i don't have to worry so much about their opinion of me if it's not working for me i can tell them that and i can make my own path with my own boundaries. It was quite a, a wishy-washy way of oh, I like explaining it. it. Yeah. Gosha, do you have a little win for me? Um, I think it's easy for me uh, <gasps> doing this podcast. <laughs> because I've, I've never, you know, done such a thing before. Uh, so so definitely, I mean, it's, it'd be nice, really nice talking to you and me coming here talking about it in public while I'm not a great fan of speaking. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you win it's, a guest. Seriously. Win. Okay. My win is that... Oh, so last week I was in Manchester doing some work. And I got a new mop. <laughs> what? Becca always ha- like says... Oh yeah, I always buy something and I'm like, that's like, my win of the I week. Got, I got no. some new hair products. No, <laughs> it's actually more important than that. I had a day off my work and I booked like a one day, like slash two night... Um, getaway in like a remote hut in the middle of nowhere just to like be by myself 
make so many cups of tea on a gas stove and uh, went outside a little bit and watched loads of drag race and so like good. did some knitting and it was just like a real mental health break. Yeah. Um, did you kind of put no expectations on yourself for that time? I was like, I'm going to research universities okay. for my counselling degree. But apart from that, I was like, I don't actually have that much stuff to do. There are some things I, if I get them done, that's great. But if not, that's fine. fine. Um, and how was the concert? Yeah, fine. What'd you, oh, you played Sanson Sorbin Symphony, didn't you? It was loud. <laughs> it was the violins in front of us were not happy. Or was it violas? I don't know. The people in front of us were not happy. Anyway, that was, yeah. A nice little thing, because I usually get really, like, icky about spending money on myself unless it's mm. buying hair products. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Brilliant. you know. So, so the one important thing that I want to say is just uh, if you feel suicidal or if you feel just bad, talk to people. Reach out to people, reach out for help. And on the other side of the of the of this thing uh, also talk to people if you feel that if you see that someone is is feeling down just just talk to them just reach out so that's that's really really important and yes i mean suicide is such a um such a big issue uh i have some statistics here so uh there are around 18 18 uh, deaths by suicide a day in this country and suicide is the main cause of death among men under the age of 50 and among all adults under under the age of 35. And there's been an increase among women aged 24, 37. So we we don't know that. We don't realize that, that mm. it's such a, such a big um, thing. I guess, yeah, we don't hear about them in the news because it's, it's just people, mm. it, you know, if some crime happens, we hear about it, but... Mm. Just people like us and also taking their lives. For the families who are bereaved afterwards, you know, as you say, because it's such a stigmatised issue and almost seen sort of cri- as a kind of criminal way to die, I think often for those families who are grieving someone that's died by suicide, it can be quite isolating as well. Yeah. Shameful, maybe. Or yeah. Actually, it's, it's just more, or, much or more like complex. Or like yeah. guilt yeah. or... Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, and also if people want to find out about the listening place point. and want yeah. to volunteer there or find out about it, where can they find either the listening place online or you, if you'd be happy to talk to people about it? Yeah, I'm, Tell I'm us of course they, they can get in touch with me. Um, so with you guys, you can, and then yes. yeah, we can we can pass on yeah. my contact details if they want. But but all, there is lots of information on the the charity website, which is listeningplace.org.uk. So you can find there is a volunteer application form, and you can find uh, more information about it. And and what I would say, what I say to anyone is just uh, just just reach out, come to a, the information meeting. If you don't like it, you don't like it. If you feel like you want to give it a try, yeah, Perfect. give it a try. Thank you so much. Thanks. Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much, Gosha, for your thank time you. and your words and your wisdom and and for getting in touch with us. We haven't talked about suicide as a whole episode. We've touched on it briefly before, but not as a topic in itself. So mm-hmm. thank you. It's massive. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you.